0: Today is Independence Day, so happy Independence Day, right? It's kind of a big deal. 245 years ago, we got our freedom, um, and I'm thankful for that. I know that there was people, I teach American history, so this is fun for me, but like there were people that were there that day that if it didn't work, they died. Like that was treason against the British government, and it was punishable by death. And so you think about taking a risk, like, I don't know how many times I've stepped out to do anything where I knew that there was a really good chance that I could die, because I live like this little Nerf life, and it's all soft and cushy, and you know, like, you don't, there's not a whole lot of threat, like, my biggest threat, I had a kid throw a desk one time in class, it was really kind of cool, I kind of enjoyed it, and like, um, laughed at I had a kid, you know, use the bathroom in class, and. Um, There's some cool cool stories, but like I don't live a dangerous life, you know, and those people like risked everything to make sure that we're free So we're here 245 years later still working on an experiment to see if it's gonna work and um, Whether you believe that it's awesome or not here We are and we're free and we can we can worship today as freely as we want to and then we can walk outside to the donut-like booth and get donuts If you want to do that, if you want to get something a little healthier, I don't know that there's a real healthy option in town today, but maybe like there's lemonade down there. I think it's made with real sugar. So that would be good for you. Um, this is what I want. So this is my version of the 4th of July after the freedom part is this one. Uh, and we're going to talk about like going into reverse today a little bit. Um, but if you've never seen this video, enjoy it because it's great. (laughs) Bag up, bag up. Bag up, Terry. Put it in reverse, Terry. Put it in reverse. Oh, Lord. I love it. Like, every time I watch it, it's funnier. Um, so we shot some fireworks off last night. Um, that was fun. I enjoy that. Like, one year I shot, and Beth and Jared aren't here today, so I can talk about them. They had an old white Nissan van, and I had a, like, I don't know what kind of firework it was, but it was big. We, like, splurged on one. And it turned over. Like, so I lit it, and it, tur- it started leaning, and I was like, no. And it, like... Talora's upstairs teaching. It was going right at her house, and I was like, "No," because if it can go wrong, you're looking at the guy it will go wrong for. And so it was like, "No." And then luckily, we had moved their van, and it like nailed the van. And then I was like, "No," like I'm not gonna get this thing fixed. Like there's a big dent in the side of their van. And this to this day, if you see it, the first three digits on the license plate are nine three one. If you see that one driving around, there is a, a big dent from a firework. Um, in the side of it on the backs like passenger side, so I mean on the driver's side in the back But it was fun, and I, I enjoy that and I enjoy the freedom that we have um, But today we're going to talk about freedom in a different manner um, It can be applicable to what we've just said um, freedom as a country But we're going to talk about freedom in Christ today, too uh, A friend of mine told me one time he said if you ever preach in, in front of a crowd make sure that you teach Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross and the sacrifice that he made and give people the opportunity to accept him into their heart. And you know what? Before I even walked up here, that had already been done through the music that we got to hear, which is awesome. So we could leave now and go get donuts, be the first in line, save you all some trouble. Okay, we got a few people that are ready to go. (laughs) Remind me, next time we have a cookout, you all are not invited. I'm totally kidding. How many of y'all have ever gotten a cool gift? Like, I mean, a really cool gift. Like, it could be birthday, could be Christmas, could be random. Okay, so when I was, like, 11 or 12, mom and dad could probably help me out with this a little bit better. But I was asleep in a recliner in our house. may have been a Sunday afternoon, I'm not sure. And I had, like, wanted this white Louisville Slugger TPX bat. And some of you that, like, played baseball probably in the 90s might remember this model. But it was the bat. Now, they had the black one with the gold riding, and that was the cool one. But then they came out with this white one with the black riding, and it just looked so, like, clean. And I wanted that bat so bad. And I fell asleep on a Sunday afternoon. I think it was a Sunday afternoon after church, and I woke up. And beside me, there was a white Louisville Slugger TPX. I think it was my first ever bat that I got that was mine Because usually, like, you have one bat. Barry and I have talked about this. The team had one bat, and everybody's like, Bro, it's my bat. And they're like, No, it's not yours, but you can use it. Like, everybody in the lineup's like passing it along, you know? And that was like my first one. I was like, This is so exciting. I got my own bat. Like, it was the coolest thing in the world. And I did nothing to deserve it. And I didn't have to pay for it. It was just mine. But what if the next thing that happened, my parents showed up with one of these an invoice that said, this is your gift, but now you have to pay for it. Now, is that a gift? It's gone from being a gift to now it's not a gift. You see, when we have to earn it, when we have to work for it, it takes the gift away. Today we're going to talk about the gift of salvation that Jesus Christ died for. We cannot earn it. What he died to give us. So we're going to talk about the law. And we're going to talk about grace. And you're going to get to hear it from somebody who's had a distracted week. Because sometimes the devil fights you like, with distraction, you know. Like nothing bad. Like it's not been anything bad. I got to spend a cool week. Like we, Amber and I went on an anniversary trip for two days. This was the first time we have been away together like, I don't know, a couple years. Since we've been married like twice, I think we've been away together like that. That was a great trip. We got to relax. We got to spend some time. I got to go to a Cincinnati Reds game this week. That was cool. We got to see a walk-off base hit in the bottom of the ninth after a rain delay. It was really fun. We went to the Ark encounter on Friday. Like, I've had a cool week. But sometimes, cool weeks like that, you get distractions, right? And things happen, and the devil will use those to try to distract you. He's tried to distract me all week. But guess what? We're here. And not because of me, but because of God, right? There's no parking. The streets are blocked. There's food trucks in front of our church. And we went back and forth like, what do we do? Do we have kids' church? Do we not have kids' church? Do we have real church? Do we not have And then we're like, let's do this. So here we are. And I'm thankful that we're here today. And I'm going to give you an appetizer since we're talking about the food, right? So our verses are Galatians 3, 1 through 9, and then 23 through 29. But I want to go backwards just a second because I read this. And it really, like, got me. Let's go to Galatians chapter 2. It's not going to be on your screen, but I'm going to read you this from verse 19. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. What more do we need to hear today? That if you've made that profession of faith, it's not me anymore that's standing here. It's not me that's walking down the street. It's not me that's at work. It's not me that's at recreation. It's not me with my family as a husband or as a dad. It is Christ in me now. Like, I am a new creature. I'm I'm a new creation. I'm a new creature. I don't want to be what I used to be. I don't want to be the guy that I was before Christ came into my heart. I want to be who I am now and better. Is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. So we're going to talk about law and we're going to talk about grace. And these are things that we get caught up in. Because we live by laws. 245 years ago when our country started... We were in the middle of a war. Several years later, we we wrote a constitution that we modeled after several different cultures. That's our experiment that's still going on today. But in in the middle of that constitution, we have laws that we have to follow. So we see it every day. We don't want to speed. You don't want to get caught speeding. Right? Because that's a a tough one. You don't want to steal. Like, don't do that one. Don't get caught doing it, but don't do it. You know what I mean? Like, there's laws that we don't want to break. So in our minds, we're focused on laws, but our faith is different, and let's talk about that today. So the first thing I want you to see is in Galatians 3, I'm sorry, that was, I said it wasn't on the screen, but it was, Galatians 3, 3 through 5, how foolish can you be? Now this is Paul writing to the people of Galatia, and he really kind of gives it to them for a second. He starts before this by saying, oh foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. He's he's letting them have it because they're not paying attention the way that they're supposed to. We all need it at some point. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you, because you obey the law of course not it is because you believe the message you heard about Christ so what we see here is this when we try to obey the law only we take Christ out of the picture and we take Christ out of the picture that creates a hopeless situation because he is the reason that we have hope we can't follow the laws the law is a curse. We cannot achieve perfection. So, in 2010, a pitcher for the Detroit Tigers, I think I've referenced this before, Armando Galarraga threw 26 straight outs. Okay, so if you're wondering, Major League Baseball game has 27. Next ball comes, goes to the first baseman. He fields it cleanly, flips the ball over to the pitcher who touches the base. The runner hits after the pitcher touches. Supposed to be an out. Supposed to be the 21st no hitter um, perfect game in Major League Baseball history. Now think about this. Major League Baseball has been around over 100 years at this point, And 21 people have thrown a perfect game. It's a rare thing. Looks back at the umpire, and the umpire calls him safe. I mean, this is the pinnacle of this guy's career. He made the major leagues, which is amazing. But he starts a game, throws a perfect game... And a one guy with one bad call messes up. He ends up getting the next out with the 28th batter. And, of course, the media all want to talk to him. His teammates catch him at the tunnel, and they're like, listen, man, don't throw the guy under the bus. Like, yes, the call was wrong. Yes, we've seen it. But do not say anything bad about the guy that made the call say, I haven't seen it yet, I don't know, we'll figure it out. Like, sh- but he didn't have to be told that because he had already showed the guy grace. See, he didn't get in his face and scream and yell at him. He went on about his business like he was supposed to. You see, if he focused on just the law, he probably would have been thrown out of the game. Because he threw 26 straight outs. The 21st guy in history of Major League Baseball To have a perfect game got taken away because one guy made a mistake. The umpire, who's supposed to be a professional, that's his job. His main goal is to do it right. You see, we can't achieve perfection in our lives, even though we can try every single day. I think Armando Galarraga had a bigger sense of life than just on the baseball field. Because the grace he showed to the umpire is similar to the grace that we get from God, which is awesome. We set goals. Can we achieve every goal that we set? We set weight loss goals. Apparently, we're starting on Monday. Is that right? (laughs) Now, listen, last time I talked about this, (laughs) right? (laughs) We're still planning on starting Monday. But somebody told me that you could eat chicken nuggets from McDonald's and French fries and drink Coke, and it would help your weight loss journey. So I tried it. <laughs> the Coke is good. I don't know. It's... So what happens then if I work, and work, and work and work and work to exercise, to eat right, to get sleep, to get rest? And I work at it for months to try to get to a goal. But then all of a sudden, somebody says, Well, listen, you can drink a couple of Cokes a day, and it's really not going to derail your weight loss situation. Like, you're going to get physically fit, it's not going to hurt it. And so I start doing it. What happens to my journey? I'm blown off course, right? See, what's happening in chapter three is why Paul's so frustrated. They have experienced the grace of Jesus Christ, but then they go back to the law. The grace is the weight loss. We're, we're working out. We're getting after it. We're eating right. We're meal prepping. We're doing everything you're supposed to do. We are looking at the drive through with that evil eye. Like when we walk by, like, don't you even look. You know, like we're going right on by. We're going through McDonald's drive through and order large ice water with lemon, and we're drinking it going down the road while somebody else gets the Coke that you're supposed to get. And then we fall off course because we listen to the wrong message. These people were listening to the wrong, message, the, long, the wrong message. What about your promotion that you worked so hard for? What about your house that has to look perfect? Amber and I joke, there's a video that we watch where this guy acts like he's his wife and he's going crazy throwing like pillows through the house. and like, He's got this like hand towel that's in the wrong spot and it's not folded the right way and he's just losing. What about those things that we focus so hard on? What about the financial and emotional investments that we make that only come out to upset us in the end? You see, the law is similar to those situations. Trusting in God's word ensures that our work and our actions and our lifestyle and our suffering can be filled with hope rather than vanity. You see, my workout goals and my exercise plans, when I go to bed every night, I'm like, oh, man. Does anybody feel guilty about stuff like that? Or maybe you feel guilty about how much time you spent with your children. Because we talked about screen time and it shows up on your phone. I spent three hours and 57 minutes a day last week on my phone. I'm hoping that a lot of that was because I was using the GPS. Probably not all of it, right? Or what about the time that we put into reading this? What about the time that we put into just praying and spending time alone with God to get our mind right before we go to the world? What about those things? You see, those investments can cause us to feel guilt when we don't carry them out the way that we feel that we should. Most of our biggest critics are ourselves. Some of you all probably share that with me. Your biggest critic is you. You can go through every single situation all day long and realize how wrong you were. Most of us don't focus on the things that God allowed us to do well to bless other people that day, the way that he used our talent to talk to somebody who may have never heard of Jesus Christ, but now that they have, and now that there's hope, okay? So trusting in God's Word can show us that those things can be hopeful instead of vain. Our lifestyle, our actions, our work, and our suffering can be filled with hope. Getting off the task caused us to go backwards. So we look at chapter 3, verse 1 through 3, which we read, Who has cast an evil spell on you? They were allowed to go backwards because they listened to the wrong message. Okay? So let's move forward. Let's go now to verse 23. So before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. We were kept in pro- protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. So we wonder, if the law can cause so much trouble, then why did it ever exist? In the Greek, there's a word, and I'm going to try to say this right, pietagogos. It didn't sound right, but maybe it was. What this is is a child tender, a person who was usually a slave to whom the care of the boys of a family was committed. It was the duty of this person to attend to them at their play, but their biggest responsibility was to make sure that the children made it from the home to the school and then from the school back to the home. This was their main responsibility in life. We see this reference in the Bible a couple different times. One's in 1 Corinthians, but the other one is right here in Galatians 3, 24 and 25. So we see there, the law was our guardian. See, the law did this responsibility. It took care of people until Jesus Christ came. It helped us to see what we were supposed to be doing. Okay, so it was, a, it was like a, a, a bridge that was supposed to, to connect one side To the other. Now, the problems with the law after Jesus Christ comes. Well, the law itself is difficult for us because it shows us our failure. We've talked about that. It condemns us. When we do something wrong to the law, it's black and white, there's no gray area, and we immediately know that the wrong has been done. The law itself is supposed to help us stay on task but here's what it can't do it can't deliver us from the punishment that we feel when we make mistakes the law cannot do those things it just shows us our shortcomings with no hope for grace that's difficult if you've ever been showed your shortcomings with no hope for fixing them it's a tough place to be it's empty Because how are you going to make it better? How are you going to bridge the gap between your shortcoming and what it is and how to fix it? So that's where we stand with the law. Now, Jesus had to arrive on the scene to release us from his bondage. Now, when I say his bondage, the bondage of the law, because Jesus was the only thing, only person, only being that had the power to take our sin from the law And cover it with his death. The last song that that Layla sang showed us that. He died. He really died. Like, you hear the story and we become immune to it, but like, he was actually dead. And he came to this earth and he lived a perfect life through the law, never violating any of them. Died on a cross. And was resurrected three days later. That's hope. That's the grace. We needed to see somebody who could do it. He did. He lived it. He died. And he was risen three days later. And now he's in heaven. And that's our hope today. So what can faith do? So we know what the law can do. The law can condemn us. The law can hold us accountable. Okay? The law was supposed to be like a, a bridge between God and in Jesus when he came. So what can faith do for us? We've seen that now. Um, Now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the laws our guardian. Now, does that mean that we completely disregard it? No. No, we still have to live good life. This is not a license to sin. Jared said that a few weeks ago. This is not an opportunity for us just to do whatever we want to do. And then it's gone whenever we say, oh, well, you know, I didn't mean it. Uh, Martin Luther, if you've heard of Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King, okay, Martin Luther in the 1500s, he nailed 95 theses to the door of the Roman Catholic Church. Why did he do that? What What were the issues? One of those was the buying and selling of indulgences. If you don't know what that is, you would go and pay for your sins to be forgiven. Is that possible? No. That started a whole movement. See, today we're here because of Jesus Christ. Not because I can pay for my sins to be forgiven. Because there's nothing I can do to get that forgiveness. With the exception of one thing. That's asking Jesus Christ in my heart. So He has to do it. So what can faith do for us? We no longer le- need the laws our guardian. As Christians, we have to be careful not to place the importance of laws and rules over faith. We've all been there. We've all looked at someone under the law instead of under faith and grace. We've all seen and judged somebody in their situation. Why are they in that situation? Well, they must have deserved it. What did we deserve? What have I done in my life that I deserve not to be in the situation I'm in? If I have what Jesus, what I deserve, I'm not standing here. I'm as broken as anybody you'll meet. I sin every single day. I'm not standing here because I'm perfect to tell you how to do that. Because I, d- I don't have it all figured out. But I do have Jesus. And that's what gets me from point A to point B every day. Because when I sin, I, I go to Jesus. Jesus. What can faith do for me? Laws and rules are going to condemn me. I'm going to lay in, in bed every night. And I'm going to lose out on sleep. And I'm going to feel lost if I have to follow rules all the time. Okay? Our relationship with Jesus Christ is there. So the law is gone and Christ and his grace reign supreme. Laws and rules can cause us to miss the significance of a true grace-driven relationship with Christ. When it's in your heart, you'll strive to do what's right. And we've got a nine-year-old, and that's one of the things I want him to do. I don't want him to do what's right because he's scared of me and scared of punishment. Now, I want him to know there's laws and there's rules and there's regulations, and we have, we have things that we need him to obey and, and, and at our home. But I don't want him to do things out of fear because his motivation's wrong. It's not going to mean anything. The old, I'm sorry, if you have siblings. I remember doing it mom and dad you have to say you're sorry i'm sorry you know i meant that like real. it was real heartfelt that was deep i told you about the kid who threw a desk in my classroom we started walking down the hallway like bro we gotta go and he's like where are we going I'm like do you have to ask he's like oh, am i gonna be in real trouble i'm like probably and like we this is the exact conversation like i was laughing and going down the hallway because i'm like he's like i thought you'd be mad i'm like What's that going to do? Like, I can't do anything to you. He's like, What do you mean you can't do anything? He's like, I'm taking you to the principal. He's got to make the decision. Like, I just work here, okay? Like, I can't do anything for you. He's like, Well, can you talk to him? I'm like, No, I'm not talking to him. You slung a desk across the room. He's like, But I just got mad. I'm like, Duh. <laughs> no. Like, you have to take that anger and figure out how to use it in a different manner. He's like, Yeah, you're probably right. I'm like, Yeah, <laughs> not always right, but right now I think I am, you know? And he like, he's like, I don't think I'll do that anymore, but will you tell that story? I'm like, Yeah. I'll tell it. It would not have done me any good to condemn him the entire way down the hallway. Like I could have, but he already knew he was wrong. Like he knew he'd messed up and he knew he was in trouble, and he knew that he was on a certain list of like, you've, you've got a list this long of things that you've done wrong, and we're going to add one to it. He knew all that. But do you know that to the day he graduated, he would speak to me, and not because of anything I did, for him, necessarily? But I didn't condemn him. Like, bro, man, you messed up. Like, go own it. He's like, but should I tell? I was like, yeah, you should tell him you picked the desk up and threw it. Because like 15 people saw it. You can't get out of this, first of all. But just be honest and own the situation. He's like, all right. And he did. And of course, he got sent home. But he came back a few days later. He's like, I probably won't do that anymore. (laughs) Good choice there, buddy. But we were, like, I would consider us more friends when he was a senior in high school than he was a student. And he told me years later, he said, I learned from that. You see, I learned when Jesus, like, is gracious to me. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess up. I don't do it intentionally. I have to say I'm sorry. I got hateful in the car the other day in the parking garage. Amber told me where to park, and I was parking somewhere else. And she was like, there's a bigger spot. And I'm like, ugh. <laughs> I'm just being honest. So I told him, I'm sorry. Everybody in the car got to hear a good apology. Right in the middle of a great American ballpark. Maybe I'll probably mess up again. I'm sorry. I'll go ahead and say it now. I'll get get ahead of the schedule here. But like, we learn from those gracious moments. And that comes from our relationship with Jesus. See, when it's in our heart, you'll strive to do what's right. Not because of the desire to follow the laws but because of the desire to follow and serve Jesus. There's a big difference in Jesus being the motivating factor and laws being the motivating factor. Because it's when it's here, it's intentional and it's real. When it's here, it's like, oh, God messed up. But when it's here, we strive to do the right thing. Now, we're going to mess up. Don't get me wrong. Don't don't walk out here today saying we're going to be perfect because we're under the grace of Jesus, because that's not it. We can't. But we have Jesus who was perfect, who died for us to give us that coverage. So let me ask you this. In Galatians 3:26 through 29, we see that for you all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. We have freedom, not just because it's July the 4th, but we have freedom from the laws that held so many people accountable that were impossible to follow because of the man named Jesus. You see, today, in our town, in this room, In this county, in this state, in our world, we don't have people that have given their life to Jesus who are addicts, they're they're children of God. You're not someone who is labeled by divorce. You're a child of God. You're not immoral or selfish or greedy. You're not short-tempered or ill-willed. You're a child of God. You're not a sinner. You're a child of God. Because of what we just read. See, Jared said, he he said it last week, the law left me empty. When I follow the law, I'm going to be empty. I'm going to go to bed every night knowing that I messed up. There's nothing I could do about it. As hard as I'm going to try, I'm still going to sin. And I'm going to feel empty. And I'm going to be Hopeless. And that hopelessness is going to carry out into my character and my attitude. And other people are going to see a hopeless person walking down the street. But because of Jesus Christ, I have hope. I'm different. You're going to see a different me. You're going to see somebody who's excited. You're going to see somebody who's who loves, displays grace, regardless of what you do wrong. I'm going to love you. You see, the law is one way, and we're empty. With the law, we parent, but we do so from a distance. We're not involved. We're just around. But we have grace and we have Jesus Christ. We're involved. We want to be part of it. We're excited. We're glad to be there. At your job, under the law, people are just statistics. It's a box you got to check. This one came in, check the box, right? We go through it one right after the other. Every kid that walks in the classroom, all 75 that I had this year, were just kids. I tell them that all the time. Like, you're just a number in the grade book. I don't even know who you are. And they're like, what's my grade? I'm like, I don't know. I don't, you know, like, you just, you just right here. I don't even know your name. We don't have a relationship. That's the law version. And obviously, I'm kidding. But under grace, everybody matters. Everybody that walks into your place of business, into your job, everybody that walks into your life on the street, at Walmart, wherever matters, under grace. Because they are real human beings and they are important. The person who slept under a bridge last night who needs a meal is important to you. They are not somebody that you give a handout to. They're somebody that you want to change their situation. The person who just finished detoxing for 14 months in jail and is at the homeless shelter is not somebody who's a number, but they're a real soul who has a family who needs help, who needs change, who needs hope, who needs somebody to show them that There's people in the world that really care and want it to do but They don't want you to be addicted the rest of your life. They don't want you to walk from one place to the other. There's people that live out back behind my house who are addicted. My neighbor told me yesterday that his granddaughter, he thinks she'll live two months. She's real. She's just not somebody who lives behind us. She's a real human who needs hope. Regulations, stereotypes. I'm standing here in jeans and sketchers, and we well, you know what this shirt is. we found it the other day, and even iron it today. and that's not like me. Does that matter? Does it matter what you have on if you're wearing shorts today? Does it matter if your shirt's tucked in or untucked? Does it matter that when I was eighteen, the biggest mistake I made in my life was to get my ears pierced? <laughs> this is the most embarrassing thing I've ever done. I just want you to know, like I thought it was so cool for like six weeks. And then I was like, I look like an idiot. <laughs> and I look back at those senior pictures sometimes. and I'm like, what in the world? Like, ah, can we throw, can we burn those? Like, it's the most, Im- and thankfully, we got a second set at the end of the school year where that was, like, but I still, like, sometimes I can feel my ear. And we're like, God, that was, like, that was the most rebellious thing I did my whole life. Like, it's another story for another time. But, like, that's a big deal to me, you know? But if somebody walks in and has earrings, what does that matter? Does it matter what your hair looks like, what color it is, if you have tattoos or you don't? What does it matter? See, those are all things that we stereotype people. We regulate people. We, We put them in a box, think, oh, well, this one's got that, so here they are. And this one's got that, so here. But look, all those people are people that Jesus can use for his kingdom. You see, I can't reach every single person that walks into this church with my personality and my likes and my dislikes. I can't do it. But if everybody that's sitting in this room right now uses their talent and their ability to reach people for Jesus, we cannot hold the amount of people who would come in here, who would be across the street or down the street. We couldn't do it. You see, grace tells us that it doesn't matter where you've been, what you look like, what you wear, what you did to your ears when you were 18 years old. And none of that stuff matters. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it does not matter. And if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, whatever talent that you stand here today with, he can use it. And he wants to use it. And he will equip you to be able to use it. Because there, there was a time I never thought I would stand on a stage and do this. Never, ever. And it's not anything from me, but it's God using me. And I'm just saying, hey, man, I'll, whatever. Like, if you need it, I'll do it. We went to the ark on Friday, and Noah was standing there. Not literally. So it would be <laughs> cool. He was really old, though, but he wasn't that old. But God told him to build an ark, and it hadn't rained in forever. And he's like, whatever. And he's like, seriously, man, go now. I'm like, okay. And he starts to build an ark, and he gets made fun of. He gets ridiculed. But then he finishes the ark and it starts to rain. And at one point, the highest mountain in the entire world was more than 20 feet covered with rain, with water. And there was Noah in this ginormous ark with all these animals, thinking, Wow. See, God equipped him, he was ready to use him. He'll use you. You see, come as you are to Jesus. Because he can use you just like you are. Do you have sin in your life? Me too. He'll still use you. In Romans 8.31, it says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, you want to finish that one? Then who can be against us? If God is for us, then who can be against us? In Matthew 16, 26, I want to finish with this. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? And the last part of that verse, is anything worth more than your soul? You see, today, your soul is worth more than anything in the world. To Jesus Christ, your soul is worth more than anything. No matter where you've been, no matter what hand's been dealt to you, how you've handled it, your soul is worth more than anything. Before we start this song, I just want to say a quick prayer, and I want you to if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, and it's something that you want to do right now, I'm just going to walk you through how easy it Saul Let's all bow our heads. Dear God, I believe you made me, but my sins have separated us. I believe that you died on the cross for me and rose from the dead on the third day. Jesus, I want, to be in, I want you to be in charge of my life. Because, Jesus, you are Lord. I want you to take me to heaven to live with you forever. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It's that easy today. If that's something that you need to do right now, you can do that. You can do it right where you are. It's that simple. We just have to ask him to join us. If you'll stand, I want to play this song. This is the same song that Jared used last week. Usually I usually don't like to be repetitive I like to be, try a little, a little bit of unique but this song is so powerful and so just sing along and, and worship God as we sing this or as we, as we play this and just remember that no matter where you've been or what you've done Jesus' blood covers every sin that we've ever made today I'm thankful I don't have to live by the law I can live through grace no matter what I do His blood's covered the sin that's in my life, and I just have to ask Him to be there for me.